Hello again. Welcome to all of those of you watching online. I'm Pastor Lindsay Willis. I'm the pastor of Discipleship and Leadership, which just means I'm passionate about letting God develop in you the faith that he wants you to have and become the leader that he wants you to have. So I work with all of our campuses. Um, Normally, I'm at Edina, our Edina area campus on Sunday morning, which is a blast to see what God's been doing there. But I also have the privilege of running to all of our campuses. It's just so much fun to be a part of one church in multiple locations and go and feel like I'm at home at every one, whether it's here at Apple Valley or Edina or Minatrista or Faribault or Savage, soon to be Shakopee or Egan and those to come in 2015. All right, I'm here today because Pastor Rob and Pastor Darren actually asked me to teach this morning, so I'm not just off the cuff here. Pastor Rob and Darren actually asked me to teach. I respect them as leaders, as men of God, as teachers. Um, this moment is a sacred moment for me. This spot is a sacred spot. I take this pretty doggone seriously, but I will be teaching with some humor this morning, so just hang on. But I just want to acknowledge their leadership in my life. Um, Next weekend, Pastor Darren will be back to kick off 2015, teaching a message called An Amazing Plan. What a great way to start a new year, right? An amazing plan. God has one for you in 2015, and Pastor Darren wants you to hook up with that. And then I have good news. Two weeks from today... January 10th and 11th, Pastor Rob will be back preaching. Your prayers have availed much. He's doing good. Yes, we're happy about that. For those that don't know, he gave us a little bit of a scare. God bless him. He managed to have a heart attack right a couple of weeks ago, but he's recovered beautifully. He's up and at him, going strong, and he'll be back preaching that weekend, so it's really good. Um, I'm going to start today in teaching on something that I am really bad at. I'm glad you think that's funny. It's kind of scary for me. Uh, Normally, pastors don't teach on things that they fail at, but I'm going to step out on it, okay? Um, I'm going to talk about gardening and seeds here for a minute. Uh, I am an abysmal in that area. I'm just, you give me something that's alive and I'll kill it. Um, When I built my house, if I could have just paved my lawn and painted it green, I would have been good. The city didn't like that, so I pay somebody to care for my lawn. I asked for the easiest, low-maintenance garden in town. Just don't give me anything that needs my attention. Just let it grow, and if it can't grow on its own, well, God bless it. I'm just not good at it. I have 10 black thumbs. I don't even have a green thumb. I don't have 10. I have nothing. I'm just really bad at it. But I do know that some of you are really, really good at it, and you love being out in your yard, and you love having this gorgeous lush lawn, and you love planting flowers in the spring and having those beautiful yards, and I want to say thank you for doing that, because when I take my 92-year-old mom for a ride, she loves looking at the flowers and the gardens and the lawn, so would you please plant more out front? That would help, but it's just, I I love a beautiful yard. I just don't want to do the work to have it because it's just not my gift, right? And so I pay somebody else to do it. But there's one thing I've noticed. Most of us don't like to plant seeds. Is that true? when, When Memorial Day comes next year, we're not running to the store to buy packets of seeds, in most cases. We're running to buy the little flowers, right? And I've even tried that. 
I've even tried planting pansies and petunias, and I managed to kill them too. But most of us plant the little flowers. When we, it's time to grow a lawn, we don't plant seed, right? We want the shortcut. Give me the sod. Let somebody else do the hard work of planting the seed and nurturing it and, and growing the grass. Just give me the sod. I'll lay it down, and if I'm good enough, I'll get it watered so it'll live, right? But we don't, we don't think about the fact that, that all that stuff started with a seed, in fact, it didn't get there. Home Depot doesn't manufacture petunias and pansies. Somebody's growing them right now. Think about it. Somebody is growing beautiful flowers so they can have seeds, so you can have more flowers at Memorial Day to plant them. Isn't that cool? There's power in a seed. And somehow seeds just find a way to grow. What I never have understood, and I think this is why I just don't like gardening, is I've never planted a dandelion seeing a doggone it, they grow. I have never planted crabgrass, and there's crabgrass growing in my yard. Now, the guys take care of it, and that's good, but I have these milkweed weed thing that grow in rock. I've got my landscaping rocked, and it still manages to grow. What is it about seeds that they just like to grow? Good seeds and bad seeds. And the, you know what? We don't have to do any work to have the bad stuff grow. That's good. Have you ever thought about that? Never planted a milkweed pod in my life. But they grow. Never planted a dandelion in my life. But they grow. It takes work to plant good seed and have a harvest. And so I just want to talk about the principle of the seed because it's a powerful biblical principle. In fact, Jesus taught about it in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to start right there with this teaching in Mark 4. I'm going to tell you right up front, this is probably the simplest message you'll ever hear me teach. But it is, I, I believe that the simple things in the kingdom of God are the powerful things. And so I want to just spend some time talking about the power of the seed today and how we can get the power of the seed working in our heart so we can have the harvest that God wants us to have and we can have a crop failure on dandelions and milk pods and, and crabgrass in our lives, okay? Mark chapter 4, verse 3. Look at what Jesus said. Starts, and I'm going to read it in the Message Bible because I think it just sets the stage so well. Jesus starts with this whole parable by saying, Hey, listen! Listen! I think that's a pertin pertinent to us as we sit down and read our Bible. Are we really listening? Or is our mind on other things? Listen. And I also think it was pertinent because Jesus taught a bunch of young men. The disciples were young people. Have you ever noticed that young people get distracted really easily? The attention span, I think, of the generations is getting smaller and smaller all the time. So Jesus said, listen. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. And as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and the birds ate it. Some of it fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but it didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled among the weeds and nothing came of it. Some fell on good earth. And it came up with a flourish, and it produced a, producing a harvest exceeding his wildest dreams. 
I love that. Are you listening to this? Really listening? And then he finishes in verse 14, and he says, the farmer plants the word. So this parable, Jesus is telling us that the Bible, the word of God, is the seed that can produce a harvest in our life that exceeds our wildest dreams. And that's what I want to see happen for you in 2015. I want December, late December of 2015, to look so different. And as different as your yard looks today, as it will around the middle of August next year. I want the garden of your life to be so rich, so abundant, so fruitful, such an exceeding harvest that you will be stunned by it and others will be stunned by it. But it all starts with the idea that this book is a seed. And it's such a simple principle, but if we don't catch this, we're going to miss the most powerful teaching that Jesus ever did. He said, if you don't understand this teaching, you don't understand the kingdom of God. You don't understand how this works. So I want to spend some time talking about it. There is power in the seed. In fact, there's so much power in the seed that I think the enemy makes our biggest challenge reading this every day, getting the seed of God's word into our heart every day. I think that is a huge challenge for every one of us. And guess what? Pastors aren't immune to that challenge. So we're all in this together, right? If we were honest in church, and I know that's hard to be because we like to put on the mask and look really holy when we come to church on Sunday morning, but if we were really honest with ourselves, it probably is the most difficult challenge we have. How do I find time to read my Bible every day? I'm busy. I got a lot of things to do. To do, to do, to do, to do, to do. And the Bible, reading the Bible isn't on them. I will fit it in when it works in my schedule. That's generally how it works unless you've really matured and you understand the power of reading God's word on a daily basis. And then you make it the first thing that you do. You build your schedule around it. I wanna share about the principle of seed, the power of the seed, so by the end of this message, you're willing to take that step to build your schedule around reading the word rather than fitting the word into an already busy schedule. Okay, because this seed is the life-giving seed. Now, I'm not here to defend whether this is the Bible or not. That's an, uh, the job of an apologist. They are people that can, can argue in a, in a godly way the truth of this document. That is a signed, sealed, and settled fact in my heart, in the heart of this church. This is the living, inspired, God-breathed word of God. And it will produce life if we'll sow it into our lives. But if you have questions on that, you're welcome here. We're not intimidated by those questions. God's not intimidated by those questions. In fact, we welcome those types of questions because it means you're at least engaging with God. So many of us think, yeah, it's the word of God, but we don't do anything with it. I'd rather have you question it and engage with the question than ignore it and do nothing with it. Okay? So here we go. Um, if you have those questions about the integrity of the word, I invite you into our Alpha Life group that runs in February. There's a great place to talk about it, dialogue and get teaching on it. We'd encourage you to do that. Or if you're just more excited to do that um, quicker and get those answers quicker, I'm going to recommend a, a book called Who Made God? 
by Ravi Zacharias. So if you have friends that are questioning that, recommend that book. There's a whole section about the integrity of this word. So I'm going to operate from the platform I believe in. I believe it is the living word of God, and it will produce amazing challenge and a stunning harvest in your life. But let's just talk about the power of the seed so we can stir up that desire to do it. First thing you need to know about seeds is they last a really long time. In fact, if you went and bought a packet of seeds today, and by the way, they're hard to find right now, but if you went and bought a packet of seeds, you could wrap them up, put them in a little envelope, set them on your kitchen table, save them for your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, even your great-great-grandkids, and give them as a gift to the generations, and they could plant them and they'd still produce what they were created to produce. Seeds last a long time. Scientists have actually found seeds they can carbon date back to 2,000 years ago, just about the time that Jesus was teaching this. And they've planted them and they've produced. That's stunning to me. There's that such power in the seed that it will last hundreds of years if it's stored properly and still produce the harvest. Guess what? This seed is the eternal seed, the ever-living seed, the, the life-giving seed that will never pass away. Jesus said it himself. Heaven, Mark 13, 31 says, heaven and earth will pass away. Not possibly, but it will pass away. But my words never will. Simply put, everything we see, everything we touch, everything we taste, everything we feel, everything we perceive with these five physical senses are not eternal. They're temporal. This is eternal. 1 Peter 1.23 says it this way. For you, those of you that are Christ followers, this eternal life-giving seed got planted into your heart and it produced a harvest of life in you. For you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. This seed, this book that's in seed form, will last forever. In other words, no matter how long it sits on your shelf, there's still life in it. Yeah. All right? Seeds produce. Any seed produces only what God created it to produce. Have you ever realized that you can't plant an apple seed and get an orange tree? Never happened. In fact, I have to stop and think about the guy who first decided to plant an avocado seed, thinking it would grow an avocado. They were genius, or maybe it was an accident. I don't know. But seeds will only produce what they were created to produce. God, if I can put it this way, God genetically engineered seeds to produce what they came from. They can only reproduce themselves. So where did this come from? God. So if it's God's seed, what does it reproduce in us? God, the God kind of life, God's nature, God's power, God's life produced in us because the seed was breathed by God himself. This is a God seed planted into your heart, creates a God reproduction. That doesn't mean we're Jesus running around, but we are his representation. We're his ambassadors. This is what causes the life of Christ to be reproduced in us. It's his seed. It produces in us. Look at Isaiah 55. Some of you are going to like this verse. Some of you are not going to like this verse. As the rain and snow come down from where? Did you just get catch that? The snow that came Friday night? It's from heaven, folks. It was a heavenly moment. See, I love winter, so I can just say that's pretty cool. Snow comes from heaven. 
I don't know, my backyard in heaven, there's going to be a mountain with snow on it and a golf course in front of it. I'm going to, it's going to be heavenly. And the rain and snow come down from heaven. Do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bring, bring forth and bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower. Why does the rain and the snow come? To get seed for the sower, to break, produce bread for the eater. So is my word. Now, my word is that seed that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish. The seed of God's word will accomplish what I desire, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's God saying this seed is going to produce what I created it to produce. He wired it that way. It's the only, th only thing that this can produce is the life of God in you. Luke one thirty seven says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. I love that. That should bring just a peace and a rest to all of us. No matter what you're facing, God's got it. God's got it. Nothing. There's no situation that is impossible for him to turn around. No word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. I love that. Seeds will produce what God ordained them to produce. Now, Another truth about seeds that just baffles my brain, have you ever noticed that a seed never looks like what it produces? Never? Guys, if you'll put that picture up, here's a picture of some seeds. From those seeds, can you tell what's going to be produced? Maybe if you're a really good at seedology, <laughs> whatever that is, you can tell but it doesn't look like anything that it's going to produce. You know what that's going to produce? It's going to produce a vine that it eventually produce a tomato like this. Now, how much does that seed look like this? Hmm? It just baffles my brain that that, that little inconsequential, unsexy, there's nothing sexy about seeds. There's no sizzle to seeds. They're boring. They're dull. They look lifeless. They look powerless. But they produce this. And the seed is the key to the harvest. You cannot get a harvest without planting the seed. This may look of no consequence. It's just black or red ink on white paper. It's not sexy. There's no sizzle to reading your Bible every day. Some days maybe there's that, wow, I have those days. I love those days. Maybe there's two or three days in a row. But for most of the time, this is just seeding the ground. And once a farmer finishes seeding, it looks pretty boring, right? The seeding process is not the glamorous part of the harvest. The seeding process looks inconsequential, but the key to the harvest is the seed. Can I give you another example? And this one's just, do you realize that all of you started as a seed? Right? I look on Facebook now and I see the ultrasound pictures. of The itty bitty seed in the mommy's dummy. You all started there. I'm so glad you didn't stay there because you're much more handsome and much more beautiful today than the way you started. That fertilized egg was really ugly. You're beautiful. You're gorgeous. The seed, though, needed to be planted. You just stuck around long enough 
to produce the harvest that is uniquely you. This seed is engineered to produce something beautiful in your life. That's all that God has. But the key is getting it in the soil, right? Remember, you can buy that packet of seeds and let it sit forever. In fact, the interesting thing about this, I tried to go buy a package of seeds yesterday. The dead of winter is not a good time to buy seeds in Minnesota. I, I don't know why but it just is, okay? But when I looked online to see who might have seeds at their store so I could go buy them, I noticed that the seed packets never showed the seed for the same reason you saw right there. You could never tell what you were gonna grow by the picture of the seed. It always showed the harvest, right? So marketers figured out that the harvest is much better to feature than the seed. You know, I find it interesting that God is not a marketer. He just says, here it is. If you'll plant it, you'll get a bumper crop. So if you're sitting here today and you're lacking joy, here's a bunch of joy seeds. In fact, if you'll go to the concordance, which is that little list, that little itty bitty list that nobody can read unless you have bifocals or reading cheaters, Right? If you go back there and look up joy, there's a whole packet of joy seeds. And you can plant those seeds in your heart and you know what's going to be produced? A harvest of joy. If you need wisdom, if you don't understand what's going on in life, if you need better relationships, there's great relationship seeds in here. If you need the peace of God, if your life is chaotic, if you just feel like you can't stop the buzz on the inside, there is a packet of peace Seeds. Peace is, not a sub, peace is not what happens on the outside of us. It's what's going on on the inside of us. You plant seeds of peace and you have a harvest of peace. And so all we have to do is getting them in the soil. The so, your heart is the perfect soil. It's the perfect soil to bear fruit. Seeds need time to grow. Have you noticed it's always seed, time, and harvest? right? That's why we don't like the seed planting process. We go get the little petunias and the pansies. We go get the sod because we don't like that up front. That's boring. But we do want the harvest, right? Too many of us wait until the crisis hits to try to plant the seeds. It's like eating pumpkin seeds on October 15th and expecting a pumpkin by Halloween. I don't know if I should say Halloween in church, but I think it's okay, right? You, you eat sunflower seeds today and you want a sunflower tomorrow. It doesn't work that way. That's why daily Bible reading is so incredibly important. It takes time to get the harvest. But if you sow every day, day after day, whether it's exciting or not, you will have the harvest when the crisis comes. And then you'll constantly be living in harvest so that no matter what's going on in your life, you will have the harvest of joy. You'll have a harvest of peace. You'll harvest a great marriage. You'll harvest great relationships with your kids. You'll harvest a great relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ simply because you've been sowing this seed every day. And it's starts to produce a harvest. See, the seed sowing part is the boring part. It's not sexy, but the harvest, yes. So I want to get you to quit looking for the harvest without planting the seed. 
Once you plant it, you know you have to protect it. Only weeds grow without protection. Right? Remember, we never planted dandelion seeds. You know what? Only unforgiveness and only bitterness and only greed grow without a seed. They just get in there and they grow. They, don't, they grow with the seed, but they don't need to be tended to grow. Weeds never need to be tended to grow. Good seed needs to be tended. It needs to be protected. And the one you need to protect it from is the enemy. Jesus said the only one that will steal the seed is the enemy of your soul. His name is Satan, and he comes after the seed. He doesn't want you. You're just a vehicle for the seed. He wants the seed. Because if he can get the seed out of you, you become powerless and ineffective in the advancement of the kingdom. You're just, the, you're just in the way. His war is with the kingdom of God. And when you plant the seed into your heart, you get in his way and he comes after you. So you press in to make a new commitment to God this year. And what? By January 15th, trouble! Because that's what Mark 4.14 says. When the sower sows the word, the Satan comes to snatch it immediately. Or he gets it into uh, rocky ground and there's no root and he pulls it up with troubles. Or he gets it into your heart and it starts to spring up. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's swept away by the weeds of worry and the pursuit of wealth and desire of other things. He'll do anything to get us distracted. True confession, all right? I'm a pastor, I hate to pop your bubble about pastors. I think all of them over there would agree with this. When I do my daily Bible reading, I do it um, on my computer because I journal on my computer. I read digitally on my computer. If I don't keep every other program on my computer turned off, like my mail, email program, and my message chat program, I get all the ding, 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 ding. And it's funny, it may not go off for 10, 15, 20 minutes, but the minute I start trying to read my Bible, ding, 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 right? He comes to distract us all the time. But the good news, and this is where I love the grace of God, the good news is it doesn't matter how hard your heart is, the seed can get in there and grow. Look at this picture. I would not expect a seed to grow in asphalt or grow through asphalt, but somehow there was enough of a little crack for that seed to get through that crack, to get down, to start building some roots, to have enough power to push that asphalt aside and begin to grow. I don't care how hard your heart is. If you'll start sowing the word of God into it, it will change the nature of your heart. Don't think you have to clean your heart up to start sowing the word of God into it. Let the word of God do its work in your heart. It will totally transform your life. Just start doing it. So what's my one challenge for you in 2015? This is my one prayer. It's really simple. I'm going to ask you to just start reading your Bible every day next year. We offer a, a Bible reading plan called SOAP. It means stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. You'll be offered one of these cards as you leave today. We set up two, next year, we're going to set up two chapters of scripture to read every day. Some of you go, oh, I don't have much time to do that. You know what? If you will just simply sit down with God, he can speak a word to your heart in a matter of moments that will totally transform your situation if you just give him that time. So we set out two chapters of scripture. We ask you to read it, make some observations, actually write it down either on your computer or in the journal, write out how it applies to your life right now, and then write a simple prayer. Can I tell you that simple discipline 
will produce a harvest that will exceed your wildest dreams. It seems so unsexy. And we live in a world that's got to be hot and flashy. But the most important thing you can do is sit down and sow the word of God into your heart every day. That's all I'm asking you to do. Oh, I'm too busy. Do you schedule time with your trainer or for the dentist or for the doctor or for your kids' hockey games or volleyball games or basketball? It's on your calendar, right? You do have a calendar. Are you as driven by this little thing as I am? Schedule it. Right now. You can do it right now. I'll give you the liberty to take your, your phone right now and schedule whatever time you need to schedule with God on your phone every day. I'm not going to tell you what time of day to do it because everybody's life is different. I'm not going to tell you how long to schedule it. But I will say the more time you'll devote to God, the sooner you'll see a harvest start to develop. So if you have time for a crisis down the line, you can avert it by having time for God today. Right? What you order your life around will order your life. So if you order your life around your career, your career is going to dominate your life. If you order your life around your kids, they will dominate your life. I'm asking you to order your life around the eternal, ever-living, life-giving Word of God. And I'm not asking you to make a check-off thing. We have too many check-off things in life. This is God wanting to speak to you. Wanting to inform and shape and mold your life. Wanting to prepare you for what he knows is coming so it won't wipe you out. It won't devastate you. You'll be able to walk through it with the graciousness of God in your life. He wants you to have a harvest that will exceed your wildest dreams. My challenge is just schedule time every day. And if you miss one day, don't beat yourself up and try to make up for it. That's not the goal. The goal is to have that time with God so that he can seed your heart with his life-giving word. Will you do it? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather this morning. I thank you that every one of these hearts are good ground. God, they can produce a harvest that would absolutely blow them away because their heart was created by you, the perfect soil for the seed of the word of God. Father, I pray that this seed will go deep down into them, but they'll not settle for feeding themselves just one day a week. God, I pray that in 2015, it would become a daily habit, a godly habit to spend time with you, letting you mold and shape and form us through the living power of your word. God bless them as they start out in 2015. Let 2015 be the greatest year they've ever had and let them fall more in love with Jesus every day. In your name we pray, amen.